Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact in some of the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian Lemieux, and I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa, and I'm here with our founders, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf. Hey, everyone. Hi. Michelle is our CEO and provides directional leadership for the whole scope of our organization. And Mike is our senior pastor and leader of our Orchard Network for our pastors in Africa. And uh, this is episode number two. Yay. Number two. We, uh, we made it through the first one. And uh, thank you all for listening in on the first one. It was a great response as we got started. This is uh, episode for March 17th. 2021 and right now uh we're uh, we're here in arizona but mike and michelle you you're dual citizens so you live uh, a lot of the year in africa and and then some of the year here in arizona and so i'm, I'm wondering inside your body right now what what, what season is it <laughs> where, where are you are you are you in the winter the fall the summer uh, not so sure. Uh, in South Africa right now, it is the end of winter and uh, heading into summer. Nope. It's wrong. I'm seeing no. how confused see, see, I am. That's a good example right there. Yeah. It is, it's hard to know. It, it is crazy. Traveling back and forth the way we do, um, you, you lose track. We absolutely. And I have Sometimes feel lost like you're track. a kind of a split person because... Um, you come from a season that is totally opposite to the one on the other side of wherever you are, and, and you lose track. We do, and sometimes it's back and forth within the seasons, which has got me confused today. Mm. So in Arizona, we're moving into into spring, and uh, in South Africa, just come out of the hot season. Yeah. It's mm. Well, uh, we're glad to have you here in Arizona when a lot of times you're in Africa. And so looking forward to uh, this conversation today. And uh, a topic that uh, we're going to be looking at today and having conversation about is a really important topic for mission directors, mission leaders, anybody who cares about um, relief and development and ministry and missions in, uh, in the global context, because um, getting this right uh, helps everything, everything else um, right get right as well. And one of the um, things that we've been doing this past year, and and then we're we're uh, we're doing it now into the future, are our virtual mission trips. We've been hosting teams all throughout the year in uh, a virtual experience where they can be immersed in the culture, the people, the ministry of of Southern Africa, in the comfort of their own home, and uh, with live interactive experiences and sessions, and also um, at their own pace and at their own time, independent. And so with that, it's been a, uh, a recurring experience that every time we have a team that meets, there's one comment that's made during the virtual mission trip that seems to be the memorable 
moment or the memorable comment each time when we recap sort of at the end of the trip. Mm-hmm. And, and it really is at the heart of who we are. And so that, that's the topic for today. And Michelle, would you introduce that, that idea and that concept as we get started? Sure. It is, um, as you said, a very important concept that I think anybody who serves in this field uh, needs to take to heart and internalize. And that comment is, are we serving our need to serve or are we serving the real need? Mm. Uh, it's so very easy to fall into uh, that idea of serving our need to serve because we all have that need. The real uh, trick is to find what is the actual need on the ground and mm. serve that. Mm. So um, with that in mind, how has that idea, that concept, been a part of our story as Orchard and from the from the very beginning? Yeah, I think it was... Uh, one of the things we kind of learnt as we went, um, we've shared before that Orchard Africa started with feeding kids on the garbage dump. And so clearly they had a need, they were hungry. Uh, clearly we thought we had the solution, let's go feed kids. Right. And um, so we cooked food, fed kids, and we felt pretty good that we were doing something to mm. meet their need. Right. Um, we learned feeding them on the dump was not, a good place and we moved the feeding project to the village and thought well this is going to be even better at meeting the need because now we're right where the kids are um, but what that did is it helped us to see that hunger was a symptom of what the real need was Correct. and so just feeding the kids was doing good but we were feeling better about it than what we were actually doing about solving the real problem because mm. the entire community, once we were in the village and once we got to <clears throat> have face-to-face experiences in that community every day, we had our eyes opened and our ears opened to mm. what is the real need. And it was a community that was fragmented by the AIDS pandemic. Uh, the adult population was dying. People were being excommunicated mm. out of the village, right. uh, out of fear and suspicion and, and uh, just... lack of knowledge Mm. and so i mean there were people living outside of the village in cardboard boxes in broken down cars Uh, there were kids that were not allowed to come close to the neighbor's kids Mm. and uh, what we realized was uh, there was a community that needed to be brought together Mm -hmm. Uh, those that were sick were were, uh, they were the modern day lepers uh, where nobody wanted to go close again because of ignorance Mm. And so uh, when we thought the real need was feeding, it was only a symptom of the real need, which was death, confusion, anxiety, fear, mm. a community that was just decimated and, and needed to be reconstructed. Families needed to be brought together. People in the community needed to be helped to understand that, no, you don't excommunicate somebody. You try and love them in the context of where mm. you're at. And so that helped us to step back and say, so what do we do to meet the real need mm. instead of doing what makes us feel like we're meeting the real need? Yeah, very good. It's, it's um, always easy, I think, to meet the need that is presented immediately. Mm. Um, it's a, a lot more difficult and takes so much more time to do what you just said that we did, was to step back and say, well, what is the actual need? And let's serve that rather than the presented need and our need to serve. 
I think one of the <coughs> things that we learned too is that sometimes meeting the need that we think is the need is a lot easier mm. because you know, it's, it's kind of a quick fix and we feel like, well, we've done something great. But when you discover the real need, uh, it often involves a process that takes time. And for a lot of uh, ministries and, and compassionate people, that's a, that's a barrier because um, mm. some, some of us don't want to get involved yes. in the long haul. Yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting thing that happens. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, then you care about the vulnerable. You care about those in need. And when, when we see a need, it, it naturally activates something in us to respond. We, we want to find a way to meet that need. Our, our heart goes out. We have compassion. God moves us and stirs us. And so what's interesting is in that moment of seeing that need, there's a second need that is there and is present that maybe we don't realize, and that's the need for us to serve. And so there's the, it can be confusing. There's the presenting need that we see, the hunger. Uh, then there's the need that we have internally and deep, deep within us to respond to that. And it may be initially in an uninformed way. And then there's the, then there's the real need. And so really assessing what's, what's that right need and what's the real need right. is, is, is work. I don't think that either one is wrong. Uh, our need to serve is a good thing. I think it's a God-given thing. Yeah. Um, I think the question is which one's in the driver's seat. Mm. Is our need to serve taking precedent over the actual need? Um, and so I don't think that we should come away from this conversation thinking that our need to serve is a bad thing. It's a very good thing. Mm. Yes. Uh, we just need to make sure which one is in the driver's seat. Mm. Yeah, I, I think God has put in each and every one of us a, a deep-seated need to serve. And so it's, it, it is a God thing, like Michelle said. Um, and unless somebody is just totally hard-hearted and mm. callous mm. or just totally self-serving, uh, when a person sees a need, there's a response that comes from within as to, so what can we do? Um, you know, Jesus, the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And when Jesus uh, taught one day about loving your neighbor, uh, he taught a parable about a Samaritan and a man who'd been beaten up and wounded and stripped. And uh, one of the things that strikes me about the Samaritan versus the other uh, leaders that walked past this man mm. is, uh, all three of those people in the in the story saw the man. Mm. Two of the religious people chose to ignore him. Um, it wasn't out of ignorance. It was deliberate. We're not going to get involved. But in right. the Samaritan is the story and the example of somebody who has compassion. And I love what, what, what Jesus said. He said, when he saw him, he went to him. Right. And to me, that's an example of, of selfless love and an intention mm. to find out what is the actual need. Mm. You know, why is the guy lying on the road? Mm. What what is it that got him there? And um, when when we can take the time to actually discover what is the need, then I think our compassion becomes uh, meaningful and ultimately helpful. Because the hard part about uh, loving your neighbor 
and even meeting the real need is that it means sacrificing self. Mm. And again, that's the story in this in in the Samaritan parable, is uh, it cost the Samaritan, it cost him time, it cost him a delay in wherever he was going, uh, it cost him money, it cost him his oil and his wine and his donkey and his money. And um, so compassion is disruptive. Mm. And that's where the selflessness part of compassion and, and putting yourself out mm. to actually do what it takes to meet the need and not just staying in your comfort zone. That's so good. And mm. thinking you that's meet so the good. need. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, we have to become self-aware and selfless. Self-aware of what the needs are that we have maybe in that moment and then, um, and then selfless and really being intentional about finding out what that real need is. And that's the obvious next question is, well, once we become aware of maybe the conflict in our heart with, the, with our need and their need, how do we find the real need? How do we discern what that is? And then, and then with that, uh, what are the steps to, to meet that? And I think the very first thing that you, you have to do, and I think about that parable, uh, is uh, you have to observe, mm. you have to listen. Mm. And Mike, as you said, that takes time. It's yeah. not something that happens overnight. And if we want to meet the real need, we, we have to take a posture of humility where we can listen and learn and observe. And and, and that that's up close and that's over time. Right. And I do believe uh, one of the words that Mike used is really important in all of this. And that's the word disruptive. Um, when we set out to serve, it's going to disrupt. Even if we're just serving our need to serve, it disrupts our, our daily life, it disrupts part of what we were doing. And so um, we must understand that when we are going to be seeking to serve the real need, it will be disruptive and it will then take time um, because serving the real need is what we call development. Mm. You know, we move from relief, which is the immediate need, and to reconstruction, which is what Mike spoke about, what we did in the early days in that village, is to reconstruct the families and the village. And then you move into development, and that is typically the real need on the ground, is how do we develop people so that they move from the need for relief to a point where they have agency and can take care of themselves and their own uh, needs. Mm. And um, the idea of development, there's just so many aspects of it. There's this idea of push and pull. Now, when I say push and pull, it's not being pushy, like, hey, this is mm. what you guys need R to do. Right. I have all the answers. No, no. Um, we listen, as we spoke, uh, and we hear, we pull from people. What is it that you mm. believe you need? What is it that's creating this issue? There's this idea of pulling from people. But then there's also this idea of presenting, which is what I say by push. I think of it in my own life. Uh, we all need to be developed, every one of us. And when I need an area in my life to be developed, it's because I don't know the answers. And so I would go to a coach or to a mentor or to uh, an organization that does have the answers and they would then push to me how I need to be developed. And it's the same way in a community is if that community knew all the answers, well, then they would be de 
developing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes mm. they'll say these are the needs and they can tell you and present to you what all the immediate needs are. And our role uh, in development is to look at all of those needs on the ground and say, okay, so what is the mm. real need? How do we develop beyond relief? How do we develop beyond reconstruction mm. to a point where people have agency? Mm. And I really like the, the comment that you made that let, let's think about it personally in our own life. For someone to help us in whatever problem we may be having or challenge we may be having, they they um, they have to be relational. Right. Yes. It has to be about right. not just a task or a project, but you have to actually spend enough time getting to know this person, knowing what they think the need is and, and in part they're right, and then things that are maybe a blind spot for them and i think that's just like you said it, it's true with us as much as it is true in the places that we serve right globally right and it is you're right it's relational because none of us want somebody that we know on a superficial level to tell us well you need to do x y and z because we we can't receive it as well as through somebody who we've learned to trust and relationships uh, where they can as you say help us with our blind spots or just help us develop and we, we, we're more open and receptive. And again, it's what Mike said, it's disruptive. It takes time. Relationships take time. All of this takes time. The easy job is the relief. Mm. Well, children needed food. We cooked it. It didn't take much brain power at all. We cooked a pot of food and off we went and we fed the children. Uh, that was the easy part. The difficult part was to... Uh, do that process of reconstruction and then into development, which we've been doing for 30 years now. And what are the challenges as a, you know, if you're a mission director or you're a church leader and, and you probably had stories or told you, to you, you, you've, you've heard stories of more of the, um, the drop in and meet a need and, and then fly out. Mm. And when we have that kind of approach, there, there isn't enough time to really get to this meeting the real need question. And so that, that's why it's so essential to have a, a partner on the ground with the people who have spent the time to be able to get to that point of understanding the real need and doing that relationally. And if we spend the majority of our time in the United States, there just isn't enough time to do that. So finding the right kind of partner on the ground in that country that you serve is is really the ability for you to be wise in the way that you serve others through somebody who's an, who's an expert in, in the field. And that's why we have so many people partner with us at Orchard Africa is because we've spent 30 years building those relationships and getting to know the culture and being with the people and getting a sense of discerning that real need and then being able to find ways to meet it. Right. And um, local South African people who... Uh, have an intuitive understanding of their community. Uh, that's important for us. We are South Africans by birth, so we have that understanding of the community that we work in. Uh, we've developed relationships with various villages and tribal leaderships, and there, there comes this understanding. Um, and it takes time to, to develop that, because Mike and I have found that in moving to the United States or back and forth, uh, over the years, we've started only now getting an intuitiveness and an understanding mm. of the United States and uh, 
it's been a process of time. Uh, we initially thought, well, we both uh, countries speak English and we have these Western mindsets. And now we found out that actually we're very, very different. And it's been taking a lot of mm. time mm. to to learn mm. that intuitiveness. And that's why it's so important that we we partner with people who know their country. Mm. 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 That's really good. And then trust them. Yes. Because uh, even even in that uh, knowing people or working with the partner, um, that serving our needs still raises its head where a team comes or a missions director uh, makes a study and, and does research. And sometimes before the team even gets on the ground, it's been determined, mm. this is what we're going to mm. do because mm. this is what's going to meet the mm. need. Mm. And suddenly your in-country host says, uh, uh, um, well, the real need is actually, and then we get back to being disrupted. Mm. Mm. Right. And I think that comes out of that compassion. Again, I remember when I first went to Africa 10, 11 years ago and got on the ground and I was brilliant. I, I knew exactly what needed, what was needed. And, and then it was over time realizing I was still looking through a lens that um, was based on my own need or, or an American viewpoint. And mm. so... So uh, figuring out what the real need is um, takes, takes time, it takes partnership, it takes proximity. Uh, it takes either a, a, a really long-term commitment with the community or working with somebody who's had that, mm. mm-hmm. that uh, long-term experience. But the next question then is, if we are starting to understand what that real need is, what do we do next? What do we do next? How do we how do we respond to that need in a way that is is healthy and valuable and uh, and makes the right kind of impact? Yeah, I've um, observed, and I think there's been a lot of studies done um, that there are three major ways in which benefactors respond to the vulnerable, and um, those fall into the categories of doing things to people, doing things for people and then doing things with people. Mm. Um, a lot of good intentional service actually falls into the category of doing things to people. We don't really know them. There's very little relationship. Mm. But we're compassionate and we want to serve. So let's figure out what we can do. And often that becomes imposing what we think on a, a needy right. or a vulnerable community. and. I don't think we ever stop to think that we're actually doing something to mm. somebody without even asking, is mm. this what you want? Mm. Um, That's good. Little example is uh, people in Africa are malnourished because they don't have enough food and their diet is not good. So let's ship caseloads of vitamins to everybody <laughs> in Africa and then make sure that somebody takes a photo of everybody taking their vitamin. That's imposing our desires right. on them and mm. we feel good when we get the photo. So doing things to people. Uh, compassion is high, but sometimes smartness is mm. lacking. Mm. Yes. That's good. And then you know, the second one is doing things for people, which is obviously be- d- better than doing something to somebody. But again, the emphasis is on what we think should happen rather than what the real need might be or what the people really uh, need us to do. And so, uh, it, like we did, we, we thought, well, let's feed kids. And we were doing it for them. So, mm. yay for us. Uh, not realizing that those kids were going home and the real need was still not being met, even though we were doing something for them. And the danger of 
a constant four um, uh, category of serving is you create a dependency mm-hmm. because then that community or that person constantly looks for you and again that kind of makes us feel good because we we're the benefactors and if we appreciate it and we need it um it it does something in us but it's not serving a long-term process of development like michelle spoke about earlier Uh, the best way of serving needs is when you do things with people and as we've spoken that takes time that takes relationship that takes partnership it takes getting up close having your ears open having your eyes open uh, sitting down and talking to people and drawing them into how can we serve your need together in other words we're not doing it to you we're not doing it for you but together we can find a solution to uh, meeting the real need that you have yeah i think um doing things to people uh, often is as a result of us serving our need to serve Mm. uh, where we see the need uh, and we do something and we're actually doing it too we harming uh but the motivation is right because mm, yeah. it's about yeah, serving my need to serve. Uh, for people is most of the time that's relief. Uh, the children were hungry. It's not like they weren't hungry. They were hungry and they did need food. And so we did something for them. And doing something for people is good. Mm. Except when you do it so long term that, they, as you said, Mike, they become dependent. And then with somebody is where we start moving into the realm of development. And partnership. And partnership. And, you know, in in this conversation, just something that came to mind, it's like parenting. Uh, As parents, we oftentimes do things to our children, which basically we meeting our need as a parent in the moment. This is what I need. (laughs) But... um, as parents, we need to do things for our children. Our little children often, you know, they are dependent on us when they're younger. But the ultimate goal in parenting is to raise uh, functioning adults. Mm. And that's when the with comes in, mm. is we do things with our children with this ultimate goal of where they are dependent, uh, they're no longer dependent on us, but they are developed and they have agency, they have the ability to lead their own lives, make their own decisions and choices. And that's what you're after and so that's the whole thing of development even in a community where there are needs you want to move away from doing things to people Mm. you also want to move away from doing things for people the ultimate goal should be where that community has the ability to take care of themselves right that framework gives us a really uh, tangible way to discern so where are we right now missionally in our response to a need or in responding to a community, to, for, or with. And so for you as a church leader or as a missions director or wherever you serve, as somebody who cares about missions, a good question for you would be, what category are you in? Maybe um, at present in the actions that you're taking or maybe just even in your mind in the way that you think about missions. If you're in a two category, what do you do if that's where you are and you have compassion and you're responding out of the love of God, but you're realizing now that it's, it's based on a lack of information. So if you're there, the the next step for you is to increase proximity, to Mm. focus in on the people, focus in on the relationship. 
increase um, your um, your cultural awareness and spend time with the people. Or maybe you're in that second category, you're in the four category. And Michelle, as you said, that there's times when we need to be in that four category, yeah. that they don't have the means to care for themselves. They don't have the food to care for themselves. If we're there, how do we begin to involve the community in that meeting of the need? And that's what we've done over the course of our history is sometimes we begin with, Here, here's a resource that you didn't have. Right. But right alongside of that, right behind that is, well, how do we, uh, how do we help you own that and begin to meet that need on your own? And then the third, if you're in the with category, uh, the work isn't done there either. That means you have to stay current. Mm-hmm. You have to continue to listen. Mm. And because you thought you, you knew or you kind of got to the real need in a previous season, it might not be the same need anymore. Mm. Right. Uh, cultures are dynamic and co- communities are dynamic. They change. And so you have to continue to keep that at the forefront and keep that present. Right. right. And, and as people develop, you need to change your strategy and change what you're doing with that person. You, you, you know, we all uh, develop and our needs change and our willingness to recognize that in that moment, okay, people are changing, they're developing, that's our goal. How do we then uh, disrupt that and move into something that moves people even to another higher rung. Uh, it is. It's long term. It's back to that disruptive. It's going to disrupt our lives, and we're going to uh, need to stick into it for the long haul. The disruptive part of that development stage is dealing with the the the, the sense that I'm not needed, and you know we we're talking about our need to serve, which we all have. And suddenly somebody gets to the place where you've done your job well and mm. they don't need you anymore because they can do what they originally wanted you or needed you to do. That's disruptive. And mm. so when Michelle spoke about changing strategy, so how, how do you still uh, present yourself as needed but at a mm. totally different level? Yeah, kind there's of like that emptiness syndrome where <laughs> there's a real loss. <laughs> there's this loss, uh, but you just, as you said, change that mm. and go with what is the new need and mm. the new uh, place where people find themselves. And it's really good to keep the end in mind when you begin. Yes, that at some point the goal is that development would happen, and you'd be able to change the role from uh, someone who's providing a need to appear or someone who's encouraging them or maybe uh, it's the end of that kind of relationship which is really really hard for uh, people who've spent years uh, with a group or with a community and and then to begin to change and say well where is there a need that isn't being met yet Mm. but it's hard it's hard to make that change it is hard but you know it's also a point of celebration and I'm just reminded of a story that we're going to be sharing in our orchard community of this exact thing where we started with this complete dependence and relief to uh, a development to a point where this person has uh, changed in every way and it's such a beautiful story that we're going to be sharing so if you are listening and you're not a part of our community um, our orchard community, uh, Brian, maybe you can share how people can then have access to this story and other stories like that. 
Yeah, each month uh, you'll uh, you'll hear from us on the Orchard podcast. But if you're a member of the Orchard community as a monthly supporter, then there's uh, some exclusive content that we uh, we'd love to share, and it's information from the field, most up to date, right on the ground. And one of those this this month is uh, this story that you're going to hear, which yeah. is amazing how how God has been at work in them. And so, uh, to be able to uh, join the Orchard community, head to our website www.orchardafrica.org and right on the front page there you'll find some information about how to become a monthly supporter and uh, each month be intentionally investing in meeting real needs to real people in some of the places of, of greatest challenges in, in under-resourced communities. We'd love to have you be a part of that. There's also uh, ways for you to uh, engage live. We have some uh, live gatherings for the Orchard community coming up. So lots uh, lots of opportunity there for you to take uh, another step. If you're, a, if you're a mission director or your church leader, we'd love to talk to you more about partnership uh, and we can have a conversation about what it would look like to be a part of a movement that's happening in Southern Africa and ways that we can help you mobilize your community. Mm. So we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, we hope that over the course of this podcast that uh, we've helped you to at least have an awareness of the, the multiple needs that are at work in just one moment of compassion and for you to be able to discern what the step is that you need to take to make the, the greatest impact um, in a way that moves people from uh, relief to reconstruction, to uh, to a real place of development. Mm. Yeah, been a great conversation. Well, we look forward to uh, having you uh, listen in on our next podcast. We're going to be talking in more detail about uh, what does it take to create true sustainability, sustainable change. And I know that's uh, that's something we all want as uh, we're uh, we're making an impact uh, globally in missions. Uh, how does it move beyond just our effort? And, and become something that lives be, beyond us. So with that, I uh, look forward to having you tune in next time. Um, for Mike and Michelle and the whole Orchard Africa team, we're uh, thankful for you and thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.